0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another West Vancouver Magazine podcast. We're starting the year off right. We're getting better. We're getting out there. And we have got, again, a spectacular lineup of guests planned for you. One very special guest is joining me here today. She has a lot of knowledge. And on top of that, she's just a spectacular lady to boot. I know her very well. I'm very proud to call her a friend as well. And I'm so happy that she's here joining us on the air today. We are talking specifically, of course, about Dr. Maryam Zenadine. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Catherine. That was... Such a nice intro.
0: (laughs) Well, we only like to have our friends on board when we do our broadcasts, of course. So, and I'm so thankful to have friends like you. And as I said, you're one of our smarter friends, if I may venture to say so much, because you are a doctor and you're a local doctor here. You're a general practitioner. You are a mother of two spectacular ladies and rumor has it you have a pretty pretty awesome husband as well who is in fact a dentist so you're quite the power couple marion tell us a little bit about yourself how did you decide to become a doctor
1: oh that's a million dollar question i was asked in my medical school interviews and i actually turned the question around and i was like (laughs) you know what by the time i'm here Shouldn't you know why I want to get into medicine and I remember the doctor that was interviewing me was like wow this lady is a little bold but anyways you know long story short I think um uh the reason why I became a doctor in the first place was because I I actually really like people so um and I love having that relationship with people so uh, and I love sciences, and I love evidence-driven information, and I love the physiology aspect of it uh, of the human body and how everything works. And as I've been a doctor for all these years now, I realize that there is really a connection between the physical, mental, and spiritual aspects of uh, of our well-being that we were never taught in medical school. So, and uh, that's kind of what's interesting me now. And you know, I, I met my husband when I was um, at UBC, and uh, he was also a physiologist. We both did physiology at UBC, and and originally, I actually wanted to set him up with one of my friends, <laughs> and then it turned out that we started dating, and um, yeah, and, and we have been best friends ever since, and uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, you're a power couple to reckon with, if I dare say so, because, um, as I said, I've, and I know a couple of, uh, couple of people out there who are, you know, one of them is a dentist, the other is a doctor. And it makes for a pretty good little team, at least from the outside looking in. You guys look like you got it all put together. And, of course, I did mention your daughters. And I do that specifically because your role as a doctor is just the start of the story. You are, of course, a woman in medicine, which believe it or not, I know the viewers or the listeners and viewers have a hard time believing some of this. Women in medicine is still a rather recent thing. We're going back only 20 or 30 years here and women in medicine was still an unusual thing. And of course, now you and your husband are imparting this kind of new, still new world thinking for your daughters to grow up and learn from. So in your house, I imagine, there's a, is there some discussion about that and how young ladies nowadays can grow up and do these things with maybe, hopefully, less barriers than you faced?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I was one of the lucky ones in medical school. I was the first uh, medical school year where there was actually more women than men in my medical school class. And I was it came as such a shock uh, to the world that there were, you know, more applicants that were female that were deserving of the position. Uh, and now in Canada, we, of all the physicians, we, we're 50-50. So in terms of gender, we're uh, right on par with the male gender. The the only thing is for us is that, you know, the, the science and, and the research around women's health is still lagging uh, tremendously. And uh, we're trying to change that. We talk to our kids all the time. Although it's funny, when you talk to our kids, they were like, yeah, so I don't want to be a dentist and I don't want to be a doctor. But I'm going to be what my aunts are doing. I'm going to go into business. <laughs> so
0: that's oh, all they talk. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Well, they have a okay. long time yet and a lot more to learn, but it sounds like they're on the right track to, to learning how to deal with the future. And yeah, they they're like, do ah, we don't so. really
1: want to work as much as they work.
0: Hard work, hard work. Well, listen, on the topic of hard work, and of course we're going to transition very quickly here, I want to hear, obviously, the the topic of conversation that has been now almost a year in the making, of course, is the arrival of the new COVID-19 virus and now variant. It must have been, there's two things that have happened in your industry, obviously, and that is the role of the doctor during a virus lockdown has changed. And you've had to obviously, I can't imagine how busy you must be. Give us some insight, um, Dr. Miriam, if you would. How is your practice right now? How are you interacting with patients? How have things changed? And how has COVID not necessarily as it affected your patients, but it's changed how we're acting up with our doctors. You could never phone your doctor and have an appointment over the phone before. We can do this now. Tell us yeah. a little bit about how that has evolved. And is it working? Is it here to stay?
1: Yeah, I mean, we we have always advocated for our patients to have better access to us. And unfortunately, the way it was for the longest time during our sort of public healthcare system was that Um, the doctor wouldn't actually really get paid being on the phone with the patient. So they had to be seen in order for the doctor to get paid. Uh, And, you know, some of us would still call our patients regardless if we get paid or not. But that would be at a cost of of our financial detriment. And then the minute COVID hit, it was like all the things we asked for just came true in some ways. Uh, and so that was that was a huge benefit uh, for not only patients but for doctors because we were able to uh, push forward some of the innovative virtual ways of seeing our patients we just had to get on gear you know and that was uh, yeah it, it was done and um, but then the stress of you know our elderly patients we have tons of elderly patients that still have a really hard time with technology so you know, having to speak to them over the phone and them not barely hearing what I'm saying. You know, me taking more right. time. So they, there's that too. There's there's a certain sort of pocket of population that this virtual aspect is very difficult, and they really want to see their doctor. They they wanted yes. to see us in person. Um, and you know, as the as the year evolves uh we just couldn't put things on hold. We actually had to bring our patients in the office and see them because, you know, a lot of people walk around with complex medical um histories and they need to be taken care of. We can just over the phone, even though we we have I mean I, I've been practicing now in West Vancouver since two thousand and five. So these patients have been my patients for the last sixteen years and even though i really know them it's scary to you know be on the phone and assume that uh right. their short, shortness of breath is not congestive heart failure and but it's something else and they just went up the stairs and you know so um we started bringing them back in and uh right now our biggest hit is the mental health component of the social isolation that everybody's feeling unfortunately
0: Well, you know, and that leads us just down to the path to the next question, the next question, the next question, is the virus doing more damage to us physically or mentally? And we'll get into that in a minute, but I like what you said there because I think where we are now, like I know I sure enjoy just phoning up, talking to my doctor, because nine times out of 10 right now, my biggest problem is I've run out of my medicine, you know. But you are so correct in saying that until the technology, and I don't think it can ever be full technology. It has definitely assisted us, especially during a time of COVID like this. But I think you really do you know, and even in communicating, you know, not a lot of patients speak doctor. And if you ever notice the breakdown in communication, that they haven't quite heard you or read you to look into somebody's eyes to literally understand, you know, just reading how they are presenting to you has to be done in person. So technology won't solve everything. But at this point in the stage, give us your opinion. Do you believe that it is a benefit of some degree that has been added on? And as I said, is it kind of here to stay?
1: I hope it's here to stay I mean I'm all for innovation and technology and uh, obviously not at a cost of having a relationship with my patients I also you know truly believe in continuity of care I don't like episodic care where you know my patients would see some random doctor and they would give them some random medicine or random diagnosis I think that um, takes away the art of medicine and I think um now in you know in the era of patient centered care where you really have to listen to your patient most of the time actually my patients know more about their own health than I would be able to guide them my my role as a physician really is just to be there as a guiding voice not to there's no there's none of this paternalistic this is what you have this is where you have to take and this is off you go it's it's there's a there's a very nice symbiotic relationship now between doctors and, and patients, and uh, I think the patients that have family doctors, they're they're in such a privileged position because we're really uh, this outgrowing dinosaurial <laughs> profession now, and <laughs> and you know I'm I'm a big advocator to keep um, the strength of family doctors in primary care. Uh, so that patients really understand how to navigate the system and how to get the best care possible. Because honestly, this episodic care and going from specialist to specialist to specialist to this to that to getting some random diagnosis is, is not the way to care for your mental, physical, and spiritual health at all. So you have you to said have that. that
0: relationship. You said that so wonderfully. The art... Of, yeah. say it again the art of health care that was that was so well put and it just means to me and you know I think people talk about the you know the, the, the old style country doctor who would come and he would you know come around to the the houses individually he knew yeah he knew how you lived he knew how you existed he knew what was an emergency and he knew what wasn't and it wasn't it wasn't just instinct it was exactly what you just explained there the art of rounding it out um One of my father's doctors actually had a great um, explanation of it when my father was going through his cancer yeah. Um, fight and he won it thank goodness but he would say I'm here to quarterback it but exactly as you said you get too many chefs in the kitchen which it sometimes feels like when you're going through a big process like fighting cancer yeah. that you get wow you got all these people and all this stuff coming at you it is so nice to come home to somebody who can pull all that together and that is why I think your relationship with your family doctor or your GP is is pretty much one of the most important relationships of your life. And you're, you're, you're very wise in saying that those of us who do have a good GP and a good relationship have really got the best of, of everything happening. And that's a super important role. And you you obviously love that role because you went into it for people. So are you feeling overwhelmed yet by all of this COVID various and start, um, you know situations? Yeah. I mean, I have to be honest. I am like any other, um,
1: individual. I am tired of it. I would like it to end. Yeah. <laughs> I would <laughs> like to like this fear and grief, the collective grief that we're all feeling, uh, to dissipate. Uh, and I am, uh, you know, I, I'm an avid traveler. The fact that I can't travel, um, Has you know has made us really appreciate obviously our neighborhood and uh, our surrounding beauty we're we're very lucky in British Columbia especially if we live in the North Shore to have the mountains we have the beauty that we have but let's be honest I mean as much as we can have all the gratitude in the world we have to honor the, 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 the feelings of grief and fear that we felt for so long and that chronic stress that we all carry is not good for our health at all, so i'm I'm really banking on um, you know a, a new new and brighter uh, vision for for all of us with hopefully some of the new tools of the vaccine coming out.
0: You said the magic word, you said the vaccine. Now, obviously the exit strategy for getting out of this COVID and, um, you know, virus and pandemic is left up to, unfortunately, as much as the politicians as it is the scientists that are going to help us out here. But on the topic of vaccines, can we spend a little bit of time? I think there's a lot of confusion out there and there's quite a bit of fear out there. And it's always fear of the unknown so let's see if we can unlock some of these mysteries today and and get your professional you know advice on exactly what it is we are dealing with here at the moment so with the idea we have vaccines that have arrived quicker than ever before which is unsettling and awesome at the same time so we kind of have these sort of bittersweet um approach to this because oh great we've got a vaccine now but oh wow did we do it too quickly all these kind of double kind of you know, double feeling things. We're feeling good but a little bit hesitant about it all. So let's lay it all out on the table. Traditionally, now I'm gonna tell the little bit of the story here. You keep me straight, Doctor. A traditional vaccine. I have I have a mark. I was one of the last people to come to Canada to get the smallpox of vaccination. My parents are immigrants, and we were required to go through this process, and I have a smallpox scar on my arm. They no longer do this anymore, but vaccines have been part of our human history. Going back at least during a recent memory for our generation and beyond, it helped us get out of a lot of tough situations and helped us advance as a civilization and survive. But um, vaccines have traditionally been inject a little piece of protein or a little byproduct of the actual virus or bacteria itself, and we inject that into the body, and it kind of learns to fight it off. That's what our bodies are made to do. Now, we have this new COVID vaccine approach, and it's new, but it's not new. And here I'll tell you my approach on this one too. This new vaccine is instead of injecting the actual virus or bacterial byproduct itself into the system, we're injecting directions into what's called our mRNA, our messenger RNA. And it's like instructions. For fighting the vaccine. So if we could, if we could oversimplify this and maybe make it sound silly for a moment. The old version was kind of leaving our bodies to figure out how to fight in the street by itself. This new vaccine is like taking lessons. It's, yep. it's learning ahead of time how to vaccinate. But we've used a very, very scary term, RNA. Everybody goes, oh my God, RNA, DNA. Oh my gosh, they're altering our code. So no. the yeah. risk myth. of oversimplifying, it is yeah. a myth. And that's what I yeah. want to dispel here right now. We are injecting instructions. We're not altering the body we're yeah. giving it lessons and is that speak on that topic if you will tell us about this new vaccine how is it different from what we are used to accepting
1: yeah you know i, I, I don't know um catherine if you know but i i hold the preventative health platform called Zealicare, and in, in that platform i made a video on uh i think i was so excited that i had gotten my second dose of vaccine at the time, so I actually spoke about the vaccine, and uh, I posted, and I will give you the website on the myths or facts of the of the vaccine, and I think it's really important to read myths versus facts because there is so much information coming at us, left, right, and center that we don't even know what to believe. And the information becomes so polarized, you start reading articles that are pro-vaccine, you will get more pro-vaccine uh, articles. Or if you read anti-vaccination uh, information, you will get, gain more information about that. And so, it's, But the general pop- population really has a really hard time understanding what is, what is myth and what is fact. Now, the mRNA uh, vaccine uh, coming out it is actually a phenomenal um, piece of science that we have been able to uh, create, mainly because this, this technology has been in place for, specifically for cancer research for, for many, many years. So it's not like it's been hastened. It's just been in hasten for the covid Vaccine because we've put so much money and resources on this particular vaccine. Uh, And you're absolutely right. The mRNA vaccine really just gives instructions for our cells to make um, this sort of harmless piece of what is called a spike protein. And this spike protein is found on the surface of the virus that causes the COVID-19. And all it does is that it will... um, ignite our own bodies to create antibodies against the COVID um, vaccine. Now, having said that, it's interesting. People think that the virus, the vaccine is purely just to protect them. Uh, this vaccine is not for the individual. It is for the population. So when you get the vaccine, you're actually not getting it for yourself. You're getting it so that you don't transmit it to the immunocompromised, you're actually uh, protecting the vulnerable population, the population who has cancer, you know, who Great has, point. who is older, who, um, who are, are so compromised because of their medical history that if they get this COVID, they will die. So, and it is not like the flu uh, uh, virus. In fact, the flu uh, virus kills 0.1 uh, percent of the population who gets the flu vaccine. Uh, COVID has now shown one to one, one to two percent of the population. So, it's ten times deadlier than the flu virus. The problem is. You know, I know people in West Vancouver. A lot of people are healthy, and they're, you know, they're very fit. They're young. They get the vi- they get the virus, and they're like, oh, great, I got it. Oh, no big deal. I don't know why we're stopping society for me getting right. a head cold or, you know, sinus congestion or or headache that I had. But let's be honest. I'm a no proponent of cutting down and. And taking away society as is. But I feel the social responsibility to protect my parents, to protect my patients, and to protect the vulnerable that you may not know. They may not be in your family bubble. Um, And I guess that's it. You know, there's something definitely wrong with our society because we're very individualistic. Um, And I think it's time for us, and I think this whole COVID has brought us more together as a community but having said that yeah we're all tired we're tired of not being able to see our friends i am so tired of not being able to hug anyone i am a very yes. huggy individual i'm iranian <laughs> iranians hug they kiss they you know uh, and they get together and and we don't uh, and it's it's um yeah, I mean, I had my my own father, and my parents actually live in West Vancouver as well, and they're still well and healthy. And at one point, I remember I was telling my father, this is at the beginning of when, when there was really so much unknown, and I was like, we can't see you guys. I'm so sorry. You, you know, you'll have to be at least six feet away from us. And he was at one point, and he, you know, my parents are very involved in caring for my children as well and picking them up from school and that kind of thing. And my dad literally looked at me and he said, I would rather die of COVID than not be able to be with your family.
0: And that that that, says it all, doesn't it? That says how much we are missing that vital area of our life, which is that connection and that love and that touching and that feeling and the hand holding and the reaching and even patting someone on the back or shaking a hand would provide us with that sort of magic touch you know you miss yeah. that the skin misses yeah. that doesn't it I do. yeah but you know <laughs> the, the vaccine uh what the vaccine will at least
1: do is that it will create an a, a sort of immune response in your body so that if you do um get uh, exposed to the covet um virus your body won't won't let you produce such a high viral load that you will expose other people. And, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, I think uh, in Israel, uh, you know, they have immunized the entire population and they're already, yes. there's already data coming out that uh, it's, it's like exponentially decreasing, decreasing community spread because of the vaccine, so I'm hoping that we can get at least 70% of us uh, immunized so that um, we can protect the most vulnerable so we can really get back to some of some of the normal that we're using.
0: Yeah, get back to being together first. I yes. mean, we'll get around to the parties yes. and the concerts and the going out later. But right now we got to get back to seeing our family and our friends and our education and our daily life. And then we can start to put the sparkle back in. Gosh knows I am all about that as well but so some very very important points there and you've touched on them all and I thank you for this because we don't have time to slow down and examine this on the news and things like that we have to do things so quickly and this is what is so nice about having these radio podcasts because we can talk it out a little more and we can ask the the questions on this and we can examine why are we using words like flatten the curve why are we using words like herd immunity and you've just explained that beautifully, because we are not in this as individuals. I know that all the trite and true phrases have been thrown around. We are in this together, and they are all true. We have to approach this as a worldwide community. We all have to get down on it. We all have to eradicate it, hopefully forever, from our society, because there will be others, and there'll be other things that come along. And again, you've made the new technology, which again, emphasis, it's not completely new scientists have been doing this just like we've had video chatting for years the fact that covid brought it quickly to the forefront to be put into use this is exactly what's been going on with the science we haven't been doing this stuff in the background experimenting with this rna type of delivery system for quite a while in science and this just brought forth the perfect platform to really get it out there quicker and again Even with vaccines, when they take two or three years to do it, you never quite know. Science has answers. It doesn't always have all of the answers. And things have to slowly evolve. And you can never predict everything in this. And I'm sorry, people that want to hear this. But it's a fact. It is a fact. That is just how the world works. We do the best with what we've got right now. And the risk of letting COVID run out of control is not a safe bet. Having a vaccine is the safe bet and the lower risk path to the solutions that we need to get to pretty quick around here. You know, we got to get there. We got to get this done, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know, thinking at all the the individuals that have lost their jobs, they've lost businesses, uh, they they have lost their loved ones without even being able to grave them or have a proper funeral uh, is. Really, sort of what I would love for uh, for people not to experience. So uh, the sooner we can sort of get this going, and I know that a lot of my patients are, you know, anxiously waiting to get their vaccine. Uh, it has been slow in Canada. I, I have to honor, I have to honor that um, the system is working slower. We were not be we were not able to secure the amount of vaccines that we thought we had. And the the operation of vaccine um, distribution, it, it's like a top secret military <laughs>
0: undertaking. Yes. To, there are trade to, secrets there, isn't very there? Very much. And <laughs> to a point where a lot of
1: our patients call us family doctors and they're like, Can you put me on the list? When are you getting it? And I'm going, You know, I know as much as you know. Uh, they don't actually give us the information, and we know as much as the media knows. Your first vaccine. Uh, really doesn't have much side effects. I didn't feel anything with my first dose. Uh, and in fact, uh, you know, the manufacturer with, for instance, the Pfizer and Moderna is that they have to be three weeks apart. I did not get it three weeks apart. I got it 42 days apart uh, because of lack of vaccine. And um, apparently the new data that's coming out is that even after the first dose, you are 80 to 85 percent uh um it's working it, the efficacy of it uh is working about eighty to eighty five percent so i was hold
0: i was holding on to that number <laughs> till I got my second one. Yeah. This this is a point that many people get uneasy about because we hear and again, we're listening to the media and sadly we're listening to politicians as yeah. well. And as you just said, you are the doctor, you're sorting through this, you're 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 on the facts and of course you're waiting for information as well. You don't have a secret doctor hotline straight through to the, you know, the manufacturers. You've got to go through the processes as well. Your regular people like us just waiting to hear as well so leaving all of those players out of this tell me we have three or four different ones so we have three or four are they are they different technologies and then do tell us why A lot of people are going, well, if one shot's good enough and all of a sudden, okay, we don't have to freeze them anymore. I know we're learning as we go along. But there is a great uneasiness that comes over the general public who is largely uninformed or misinformed and scared because, again, we're in unknown territory here largely. They're, they're going, okay, I'm not getting my second shot. Is this second shot important? I mean, when you talk about medicines and shots, for me, I'm one of these people, like if my doctor says to take it at noon, yeah. I yeah. take it at noon. You know what I mean? If she says take it every second day, I take it every second day. And now we seem to have this sort of casual, you know, easy peasy, oh, we'll get around your second shot whenever. It's not really like that. But tell us the significance of the second booster shot, if it can be called that and why we have some flexibility here with it
1: you know ideally you don't want to have so much flexibility to the point where you're past the the you know 42 or 45 days uh just because i don't think they have any any uh, i i do know that in the uk they were even delaying them more than 42 days they were even delaying them up to two months um but it, it was also a sort of you know population strategy for them where it was like okay well it's more strategically. It's it's more beneficial for everybody to be eighty uh, percent immune than have right, right. half the population ninety five percent immune and half the population haven't gotten their first dose. So the logistics was, was kicked logistics, in pretty
0: quick, yeah. didn't they? We had yeah. to decide if. I mean, the philosophical, you know, can't some good of the many versus good of the few arguments came. We've really we've really played everything out with this virus, haven't I mean, we?
1: And then again, it is a population-based vaccine. It is not an individual-based vaccine. So as much as a lot of my colleagues and I were humming and hawing and going, what, the why are, why are we not at least getting the vaccine the way we're supposed to be getting the vaccine? You know, we understood, yes, yes. We understood that, there's a greater good in the power of, of uh, also and also the reassurance of understanding that the first dose give us gives us that sort of uh, 80% immunity now the second dose is actually very important because it, it gives you the, the the 95% effectiveness and it's the one that actually uh, tenfold produces the uh, the antibody titers in your body so actually response quite aggressively and i i actually felt it with the second dose i uh, i had no reaction really? with my first dose and this is very common your second dose i you know you almost nobody really tells you but i think
0: you kind of need to take the day off the next day just let the body adapt to what's happening hey there you go okay, okay. you
1: know and then i was fine the, the following
0: day and i went snowshoeing i mean it was it was okay um but this is not unusual, though, is it, doctor, for vaccines? I know I've, I did a hep C one. It was a series of three it yeah. was years ago. My parents have recently undergone everything from calcium shots to um, yeah. shingles is, is the latest, greatest thing for the pif- people who are, are approaching yeah. their 50s, etc. When you get a vaccination, your body is adapting to something. It's, it's, there's a substance been introduced and it's got to fight it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned the shingles vaccine. Now, the shingles vaccine is a very popular vaccine. A lot of people come and ask
1: me about that. But, you know, that is one of the only vaccines that is actually for the individual because you cannot get shingles. You cannot get shingles from another person who has shingles. You can get chickenpox from someone that has shingles if you touch their actual vesicles and if you've never had chickenpox. But you can never get shingles from someone that has shingles. You actually get shingles from yourself because you carry the chicken pox
0: virus in your body. And people are like, oh. Which brings us (laughs) full circle. Yeah. Brings us full circle to this whole mRNA approach. And we'll wrap this up with a bow here in just a second. So the, the second shot. Again, I love my silly analogies. It's kinda of like going to university and not finishing exactly. that last course. You can come out pretty educated and probably go to work in your discipline, but you want to get that last course down there, wrap it up properly and, and put it to bed so that you've got the full you got the full designation behind you now. You're ready to go. So that, that makes sense for the second shot. So everybody go and get the second shot. Because we don't exactly you know, with your first shot,
1: we don't know what the length of your immunity will be. I don't I doubt it will be more than a few months whereas the the second shot will give you the hopefully the year uh, and then we don't even know what's going to happen beyond if this is going to be a regular thing for us if it's you know it's going to be incorporated in our yearly right. two shot uh, regimen we we really don't um, know enough and
0: don't have enough data around it so do you think that now that we're in this new realm and I mean, as I said, he used the word new because it seems new, but we've been at this for a while. Do you think other things could come of this research that we did in COVID? Can we pass this on in a way that we slow aging or can maybe help solve obesity? I know we're looking at it in terms of things like heart disease, but we're talking to the body in a way that we've never been able... to to speak to it. And before we have decoded it, and I think that's where some of the scary parts come for people. Well, I don't know if we want to be ageless, (laughs) you know, (laughs) there's a a huge environmental
1: (laughs) factor that I worry about with our world, with all of us being ageless. (laughs) So, but we want, we can decrease suffering. I think that's the biggest thing. I think there's a lot of illnesses that will, um, Uh, will benefit from this kind of uh, research, including cancer that originally started with. And I think it's going to be phenomenal to be able to not have to give a diagnosis to a patient where there is no solution. So we're just going to have solutions for every time your body uh, is angry at you and is inflamed and it turns on the wrong cells.
0: There you go. Well said. Wrap us up, if you will, with the last little advice, as you have pointed out, and as I believe every one of us has experienced, uh, whether we've suffered through COVID, whether we haven't, we have all suffered through the loss of family and friends, whether uh, through an actual death or whether just by their absence of not being able to celebrate our birthday with us or even give us a hug on a bad day. Give us some advice for our mental health as we struggle through these, this last, hopefully last phase of getting ourselves vaccinated and back to normal. What can we do to stay positive here? I think it's, you know, we still have another year to go
1: uh, of hardship. Uh, I think things will definitely get much, much better by the summer, um, like we saw last summer, things were actually much, much um, lighter for us. Uh, but a really good tool to take home, uh, which I use uh, with my patients and myself all the time, is the tool we have in the Zili Care Formula. It's called the Care Formula. It's called a C A R E, as in care. Now the C is calm your mind. Now how? You have to do something for yourself, formally or informally, where you can calm that mind of yours. Because if your mind is running on adrenaline and it's your your sympathetic nervous system which is your flight or fight or freeze mode it's chronically on you are going to get ill and you're gonna get immunocompromised and you may get COVID so I suggest you find a way five minutes a day to either formally meditate or informally meditate an informal meditation is like this you go for a walk for five minutes around the block. And instead of being on the phone or instead of, you know, (laughs) being in your thoughts, pay attention to what you see, pay attention to what you hear, pay attention to what you feel in your body, Uh, and really just tap into your Be in the moment. Good advice.
0: Be in the moment.
1: Exactly. I mean, and, and, and 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 if your mind takes over, it's okay. Bring it back. No judgment here. And then the A in the care formula is activate your body. Go and exercise in any capacity. I'm th- talking like fast walk. I don't care what you do, but do it 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate. Just a you know a brisk walk uh, or hike or um, or being on your stationary bike is enough to um, reduce some of those stress hormones. Goodness. And ideally, you want to do it in. A- in the morning. You want to do it in the morning because your stress hormones are the highest in the morning. Really? Now, the sure. R is is reinforcing your body. So, you know, our coping mechanisms is... Okay, I need to calm down my anxiety. I need to drink alcohol. I need to do this. I need to go on, you know. I, I, and then you stay up all night surfing the internet. Really pay attention to that. Really pay attention to coping mechanisms that don't serve you. Go to bed at the same time. Take take away your electronics. Don't check the news ten times a day. Check it twice a day, and especially not an hour before you go to bed, so that you get good sleep. That's a huge reinforcement of your the R and the care. And then the E... I'm doing
0: that one all wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, most of us are, to be honest. And the E is...
1: And then the E, e is engage your soul, Mean, which means really just have kindness for yourself and do something that you want to do. If it means do absolutely nothing and sit on the couch and have a cup of tea, have a cup of tea. I know there's a lot of busy uh, individuals in West Vancouver and North Vancouver, and they're juggling many jobs, many roles, And at the end of the day, you have to care for yourself before you care for your, um, for your family members and for your loved ones. And we tend to forget to feed that part of us that just wants to play, like just wants to have fun, or just wants to be nurtured, you know, and it's, It can be as little as just, you know, calling a friend and having a chat with a friend of yours over the phone or you're going for a walk or, you know, I do do the silliest things, actually. What engages my soul is uh, I'm very into photography and and I take pictures and they, I mean, they're not the most fantastic pictures, but it really feeds my soul because it makes me also pay attention to details. So um, wow. I do that. I, I read read phenomenal books. Um, I listen to amazing podcasts. But I don't overdo anything. Like I I'm so nice to myself now. I don't I don't <laughs> I don't expect to have a to do list done. Or I just go. You know, it is what it is. Let's be honest. It is what it is.
0: Wonderful advice. I mean, we couldn't have we couldn't have wrapped that up better. Care C A R-E, calmness, activate, reinforce, and engage. We're going to write all of this down for everybody listening. It will be below in the text. Also in the text below, we are going to link you up to the video that Dr. Miriam mentioned at the start of our podcast, which is to facts facts and information that you need to know if you do have doubts still about the process and of course we still can't tell you when you're going to get your shots you're going to have to tune in to the information sources that be for that but for everything else I highly encourage you please come back on with us again Dr. Miriam let's keep our mind body and soul podcast moving I know lots of our listeners out there can write in with questions and we'd love to have you back and do gosh I'd love to do at least five or six more episodes with you on certain topics and we can do so many different things you are a lovely lady you are smart you are engaged you are everything that you've said that you've got here with us and I, would you come back and talk to us again
1: of course. Anytime. I'm honored. For sure.
0: A big thanks today to Dr. Miriam Zenedine. She is our mind, body, and she is so good for my soul. It was such a pleasure having you on today. To everybody out there listening, do remember, hit the subscribe button. Go to westofvancouver.com. Download us on Apple iPodcasts. Podcasts. We're available on all kinds of channels, 24 hours a day. We hope you will come back and that you will stay in touch and save us a smile.